You're listening to the B-School Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Elise Morrison, embodiment coach and founder of Inner Workout. Consider B-School your invitation to becoming a student of yourself. So come on, let's get studying. Hi, everyone. I'm really excited for you to get to meet today's guest. I have Casilla Manolas, and she is a writer and a digital marketer. And I'm not going to go too much into introductions because I want her to get to tell us a little bit about herself. So Casilla, thank you for being on the show. Thanks, Taylor. I'm so happy to be here. So we met through a networking and really goal-setting event that was really It was a really cool time to spend a morning with other women who are building some incredible things. And one of the things that I learned as we spent that day together was that you are working on your second novel at this point. And so I'm curious to hear, what are the lessons that you learned from writing your first novel? A lot of people can't even get themselves to write one novel. Yeah, I think that's such a good question. Honestly, the most important thing that I learned with the first novel was that I was capable of doing it. It's kind of a hard pill to swallow when you realize that first book that you wrote was basically just a practice book, but it really is an important thing to learn that you're capable of doing it. And in the process of writing it and pitching it to agents, I got some really positive agent feedback and that gave me a lot of, I don't know if validation is the right word, but like hope that I was doing the right thing with my time by investing it in this hobby um, and in this passion. Because at the end of the day, when you're writing a book, you're not paid for this. And you don't know, like you spend so many hours and days and months writing a book and you really don't know, like, is this book going to sell? Is it one of the interesting things with writing that first book was getting some agent feedback that I had strong writing skills, that I had a brand they were interested in. So that's really propelled me to keep going. And For me, it's just about learning more about the craft and you have to do it in order to learn. So writing that first book was about learning I'm capable of doing it, learning that I do have what it takes. I just need to keep going and yeah, just keep practicing. You know, you never know like how many books are you going to have to write before one sells. So being really persistent is key. So yeah, I I basically just learned that I could do it. (laughs) Which is incredible. Something that I'm curious about is so you mentioned like your first book is your practice book. So is it something that you're still shopping around or have you really been able to just say, okay, I did that, but now I'm ready to move on to a different idea? Yeah. So I spent most of this past summer and fall of 2019 editing that book. I had been working a full-time job where I was super busy and I always had the intention of editing my book, but it wasn't until I left that job in the spring that I really had time to focus on it. And what I found as I was editing, it was this weird process of like realizing it wasn't the book that I wanted to pitch to agents anymore. Because my big focus on editing it was getting it to a state where it was good enough to pitch it again. Because I had received a lot of feedback of like various things to fix about it. It's kind of hard to distill like what it was, but the one way I like to describe it is like I fell out of love with the story. Um, which is kind of a nebulous way to describe it, but I just knew it wasn't my debut novel. And then I became really hell-bent on, I need to go write what will become my debut novel. Because the big thing in this industry is 
in order to be a debut, especially somebody who doesn't have a huge following or who isn't famous, your writing has to be like incredibly vivid and strong. And I was realizing my first book would have required a lot of rewriting in order to make it strong. And it wasn't the plot that I was like crazy obsessed with. So I was like, this is enough motivation for me to sort of buckle down and write write the book that has that potential to to really be a strong debut. Because at the end of the day, like whatever you publish is going to be under my name. I'm not writing under a pen name. And, it, you know, it's going to be a part of my writing career forever. So it has to be something you're like super proud of. And, and that's a big part of pitching too. Like you're going to hear so many no's as you pitch your book to agents. So you have to write something and perfect it to the point where you're really excited to go hand it to other people to read. So for me, sort of retiring that first manuscript was accepting that okay, this first one that I wrote isn't it, but now I have more skills and knowledge and I can go write that second one. And what was that process like for you to let go of something that you'd spent hours and hours of your life working on and say, you know what, I'm going to admit that it served its purpose and kind of let it rest now? That's a good question. The realization happened for me all in the matter of one day. I had been editing my book that morning and I just, it just sort of hit me that it wasn't what I wanted it to be. And I knew it was going to take, it would basically take a rewrite at that point for me to, to turn it into what I wanted it to be. And that was too daunting of a task. And it also didn't feel fruitful because I think even with a rewrite, it wouldn't be the book that I'm excited about. And so at that point, it's like, okay, I don't want to beat my head against the wall with this book. And I had a turning point. I think I messaged, I'm in a Facebook group with a group of other women writers. And I messaged the group and I said, like, does this happen to everybody? Does everybody just give up on their first book? And so many of them wrote back and they're like, yep, that was me. So hearing that I wasn't alone in that, that it wasn't a bad thing to say, okay, this first book is basically going to sit in my drawer (laughs) is okay. And yeah, that realization, it did happen pretty fast. I think I make pretty fast decisions. And then I became very committed to my second book in a matter of hours. And the freedom of running with a new book idea was, it was so exciting that I very quickly left the old book, if that makes sense, because I was just so enamored with my new idea (laughs) that I was like, okay, this is something that's finally exciting to me and I can really run with it. That's so cool. Thank you for sharing. And I know for people who may not be writers, maybe they're working on a business idea or even something in a corporate job where you're excited about an initiative or a new product offering and you realize it's just not working. I think it, it takes a certain amount of strength to be able to say, okay, this wasn't it. And I'm going to create the thing that I think will be it, or at least closer to what I'm trying to build. So thank you for modeling that. And hopefully it's a little bit of an inspiration to the other people who are listening. Yeah, I think it's an important takeaway. And it's also like repositioning it not as a failure. Because I think somebody might say to me, well, you spent years of your life on it, and you never made money off of it. That was a waste of your time. And repositioning it in my own head as this was a natural part of my process. And the average time it takes to publish your first book is 10 years. So like this is a long game. Getting to where I want to be is going to take a long time. And this is part of the process. So it's not a failure. It's constant learning. And that's, that's necessary to get where I'm going. Exactly. 
it's crazy how just reframing things and repositioning our mindset can make the biggest difference because I struggle with thinking of things as a failure all the time, especially because I'm so success oriented. But just like you you were saying, being able to see things as stepping stones or realizing that I learned lessons or built skills that I can take with me is really helpful. But I want to dig into a little bit of what your creative process looks like. I love peeking into people's minds, especially people who are creating really substantial work. Like writing a novel is not something that is easy. It takes a lot of creativity, but it also takes a lot of discipline too. So I'd love to hear what your creative process looks like. Yeah, absolutely. I I think the creativity comes from the discipline. Like I don't randomly get creative like messages or things that I should do. That happens once I sit my butt in the chair and I start working. So definitely like showing up every single day is a key part of the process. You know, I'm going to start broad with how I think of creating a book and then narrow it down and distill it. So really broadly, the way that I start with my writing process is I'm constantly taking notes. So like I like to write in my journal and that's usually more like me personally processing like emotions or things and writing it down really helps me. But I also write notes in my phone, you know, conversations that seem important, details, things that I see. Um, And I usually tend to write down, I think the best way to describe it is just things that feel important. And I don't always know why they're important, but it'll spark me in the moment as important and I'll write it down. So I have like a ton of notes in my phone and I end up deleting like 90% of them, but some of them stay with me. So for me with the second book, what happened is I ended up having a theme to my notes. And the theme was something about like personal power and gender and using writing as as power. And I thought, okay, so now I need a narrator. Um, And I tend to write in the first person. So I started writing a narrator who I've now named Neve. And I wrote like 55,000 words of her talking, like her saying things that have happened to her, narrating what her day is like. And For me, that process was discovering what her voice is and discovering what her life is like. (laughs) What does she do? What is her family like? Um, So it was very much like a discovery process. And I have to say, those 55,000 words were not consistent. There was no plot. Sometimes she had a brother. Sometimes she had a different job. And I, I sort of let that be okay. I let it be imperfect because that wasn't the point. The point of that initial writing was just to get to know who she was and what she was concerned about. And that came very naturally to me because I was trying to get at this theme about personal power, essentially. So then from there, I discovered, okay, I have an idea of what the plot is going to be. So just to give you an inkling, my second novel is about a girl who's kidnapped. And she's telling her story from the perspective of once she gets out of the room. So she's kidnapped, she's put in a dark room, and she's only given a journal. So the book goes back and forth between her narrating and telling the readers about her time in that dark room and also flashbacks to her life before that ever happened. Um, And then by the end of the novel, we've worked to where she is today and sort of the surprises and revelations about where she is. So yeah, so I got to know the narrator through that free writing. And then from there, I created an outline. So for my first book, I didn't really outline. I was more of like a you only know where you're going as far as your headlights kind of a strategy. So there's this outlining process called Save the Cat. 
And there's a whole book on it. It's like this whole novel writing theory or way of life. And this woman, Savannah Gilbo, wrote a blog post distilling all the advice in the book into one blog post. So I highly recommend it to anybody who's trying to write a a book or a work of fiction. And it, it basically divides your book into 50 to 60 scenes and gives you a guiding post of like what your opening scene should contain, what your midpoint, and so on. So I use that to create an outline for my book. And then from there, it's creating a word count goal every day. So every day I'm writing about 1,500 words, Monday through Friday. And I do that for about eight weeks and then you're done. So the big thing for me is showing up every day. (laughs) And it's okay if the words aren't perfect every day because that's what revising is for. So just getting it down on paper is the biggest thing at this point. Wow. Thank you for sharing. I think that's really cool because a lot of times when I envision writing a novel, especially, I think of it as being such this creative thing. So it's interesting to see how you've put so much structure around it. And I love the idea of feeling creative once you actually sit down and show up. I'm curious on the times that you don't feel creative, like maybe you get your butt in the seat and you're sitting there and you're still not feeling like words are flowing, is there anything that you do? How do you navigate that? Yeah, I have I have two big things that I do. <laughs> one thing is I pretend that no one is ever going to read it, which might sound like it's counterproductive to like the goal, which is to publish it. But I often find that something that stops me from being creative is the fear of what people will think of it one day. Um, So I I instantly, as soon as I like release that pressure and I tell myself like, you're only writing for yourself, this is the story that you you want to tell for yourself, that helps a lot. And it makes it feel more like play and less like work, which helps me a lot. And then the second thing that helps me is remembering why I'm writing the story. So for me in this story, I think this story has the potential to help a lot of women And I think there are a lot of women who are going to see themselves in this narrator. That's my goal, at least, is for people to resonate with her and and to have compassion for her and various characters in the novel. And so that excites me. I'm like, I need to finish writing this because I want women in my life and women everywhere to read it. And I think when you have a certain purpose, like, I think this could benefit other people that helps me keep going because I, you know, you have to finish it before you can hand it to somebody. (laughs) So that motivates me. That's beautiful. And I definitely see how, whether someone listening is a writer or not, they can relate to that, that idea of, okay, what am I doing this for? Why did I start this business? Or why do I choose to show up in this job? And then also thinking about that impact those are two takeaways that I feel like are so relatable, whether you're writing your debut novel or if you're just trying to figure out how to show up in the work that you've chosen for yourself. I want to transition into the lightning questions. There's three questions that I ask everyone who comes on the show. So the first question is, what is something that you've learned recently that you're excited about? Oh, I'm trying to think. This one's pretty simple, but it might resonate with people who are more of like the workaholics. Um, for, for me, I've learned recently that it's really important that I work on my book Monday through Friday and not the weekends. Um, for a while, I set my schedule that I was working seven days a week and I found myself getting kind of creatively burnt out. 
And really like rest is the best way to propel yourself forward with speed. So if you want to finish faster, like think of those weekend breaks as things that are going to help you in the long run. I have to say, I still do work seven days a week, but um, I try to have my Saturday, Sunday work is like more like admin work or fun work, like reaching out about a guest blog or connecting with somebody for an opportunity and then leave that creative work, the like really hard, intense, deep work for Monday through Friday. And that's been a really big change that's helped me lately. I can, from one workaholic to another, recovering <laughs> workaholic, yeah, can definitely relate to that. What is something that you're in the process of unlearning? Oh, I saw this on, I actually saw this on Instagram recently. Somebody posted a quote that really resonated with something I've been working on lately. And it was something like, success isn't the place that you're heading towards. I think we often talk about success as this end point in a journey as something we'll, we'll, you know, achieve it one day, but instead viewing success as something that I do every single day and success is just a state of being for me. That quote really resonated with me because something I've been trying to unlearn is feeling like I'm constantly striving for something because at the end of the day, once you reach it, you're just going to be striving for something else, which means you're never going to enjoy what you have. Um, So a big piece of that is gratitude and just feeling like you already are a success, like celebrating that. For me, it's that I've written a book and that I continue to show up for myself every day by writing book two. That is a success. And that's something in my control, whether I get an agent one day or a book deal, I don't know. And that's instead of getting lost in that uncertainty of whether success is one day in my future, I've been unlearning that societal thing and just telling myself success is something I achieve every day. That is something that I'm I'm going to have to try and incorporate. And then the last question is, what's the way that you've grown that you're proud of? And this is your opportunity to really celebrate yourself. Oh, one thing I'm really proud of lately is I've learned how to say no a lot better. And the reason why I've gotten better at it is I've become like very, very clear on what I want. And once you've distilled your vision into like, let's say one sentence, if you can like write down what you're after in one sentence, that makes it so much easier. Like, for example, an opportunity came my way last week, somebody wanted to work with me and it would have taken about 10 hours a week of my time. And while I was very excited about the opportunity, I instantly knew I had to say no to it. And saying no is so hard, you know, especially when it's somebody you've been dying to work with or something like that. But at the end of the day, like that's going to get me to my goal faster. I have to say no to opportunities sometimes because I'm really protective of my time and my energy and I can't afford to spend my time on anything but my vision and not to the extreme of, you know, you can't do it 24 seven, but I couldn't afford to give away 10 hours a week of my time to work with her at the end of the day. So one, I'm really proud of gaining clarity on my, on my vision and saying no And two, I'm proud that saying no is getting easier because I know where I'm going. I'm proud of you too. Thank you for sharing that. Thanks. I want to give you a chance to tell people where they can continue to connect with you on the internet. Yeah. So I have an Instagram under Casilla.Manolis. And from there, you can find links to my website, my Twitter. I'm mostly on Twitter and Instagram these days. So yeah, you can find me there. 
Well, thank you so much for being on the show. And everyone listening, I will have all of Casilla's links in the show notes. Awesome. Thank you, Taylor. This was so much fun. Thank you. Thanks to Andres Rodriguez for the intro and outro music. You can keep in touch with me on Instagram at Taylor Elise Morrison. Elise is E-L-Y-S-E. And check out the resources on my website at taylorelise.com.